0: Loomings. Call me Ishmael. Some years ago, never mind how long precisely, having little or no money in my purse and nothing particular to interest me on shore, I thought I would sail about a little and see the watery part of the world. It is a way I have of driving off the spleen and regulating the circulation. Whenever I find myself growing grim about the mouth, whenever it is a damp, drizzly November in my soul, Whenever I find myself involuntarily pausing before coffin warehouses and bringing up the rear of every funeral I meet, and especially whenever my hypos get such an upper hand of me that it requires a strong moral principle to prevent me from deliberately stepping into the street and methodically knocking people's hats off, then I account it high time to get to see as soon as I can.
1: Come with me, my love sea of love I want to tell you how much I love
0: going out to sea today. Not a literal sea. There aren't any seas in Chicago. It's a metaphorical sea. I have a map and everything. I drew my own map. It is a map to my heart. Why, you might ask, would you need a map to your heart? Do you not know where it is? Beating in your chest? Where does love come from? How do you get it? Is it something that you can get? And how do you keep it? Can it be kept? Can you lock it in a box or put it in a drawer? Is it an animal to be tamed and ridden? Or is it a state of being that you have to struggle to achieve? Furthermore, does anyone make us feel love? Do they make us feel anything? Or are we the masters of our own emotions? Can we spring them into being at our command? So I literally made a map. I ordered a poster from Bird Machine, a positive cat, Because I need cats saying positive things in my life. And it came wrapped in a huge piece of brown craft paper. And as soon as I saw it, I thought I should draw a map to my heart. Which is something that I would do. Um, Especially since I love E. Lockhart's books about Ruby Oliver. And in one of the Ruby Oliver books, Ruby's uh, therapist had her draw a treasure map of boys. Um... So between that and uh, the Carte de Tendre, which is uh, back in the 1600s, Madame Scuderi, a, uh, an author, drew a map to her heart, or how a map to how to secure her affections, and she called it the Carte de Tendre because the capital city was uh, tender affections. Um, and anyone who wanted to be her friend had to make their way through this map. And she would actually talk them through it and coach them through it and say, well, if you don't send me enough, you know, intimate letters, you'll get caught in the, the lake of indifference or you'll be mired in forgetfulness. Um, so I've always been fascinated by that, that idea of, of drawing a map to, to my heart. How can someone fall in love with me and how can we express that in a concrete way? The, the path starts off, uh, easily enough, at uh, the far beach of auspicious beginnings. Encounters, brilliant first messages. Um, and then there's the mountains of witty messages. And those can be you know emails or messages or conversations. Um, there's the bluffs of repeated interactions, buttressed, buttressed by the foothills of laughter. If someone doesn't make me laugh or laugh at my jokes, I am not going to want to spend any time with them. Once we realize that we like running into each other, once we realize that propinquity has been at work, and propinquity is a great concept. It's it talks about how the more we meet and interact with people, the more likely likely we are to to want to become friends with them. Uh, absence, I don't think, makes the heart grow fonder. I think the more you see someone, the more you realize how like they, how alike you are. How much you have in common the more you want to be the more you will want to be their friend or more Um, we become familiar and find things that we like about them and um, from changingminds.org they wrote it is not so much birds of a feather flock together as birds who just happen to be near each other grow similar feathers and i think we see this all the time the more you hang out with certain people you'll pick up their verbal tics or their mannerisms or Um, You'll start drinking their favorite drink or reading their favorite books, um, watching their favorite TV show so you can talk to them about it. Um, For me, propinquity is the bluffs of repeated interactions on on the map of my heart. Um, And I love how the more you get to know someone, the more beautiful they can become. Someone might have a pretty plain face, but the more you talk to them and you see their their face shining with excitement as they talk about what they're passionate about or they they tell you about their dreams and and something they've really worked hard on uh, that can make even just an average looking person just become absolutely beautiful And I think about that article that was posted recently about the 36 questions you can ask to someone to fall in love. And the idea is you ask these 36 really intimate questions in a very compressed amount of time with a lot of focus, and it kind of takes the place of months and months and months of courtship. Um, Being vulnerable with someone, uh, letting them see the the soft underbelly of you is an incredibly powerful thing. And if someone can experience that with you and still care about you, I think it's really a valuable thing. And people all over the, the country um, started asking these questions of each other, even people who were in long-term committed relationships, and they were amazed at how sometimes they learned new things about each other. And I'm always fascinated by people. I love learning things about them, things I might not expect. Um, the maintenance guy who plays excellent claw hammer banjo uh, the bus driver who is a karaoke fiend. There's just so many things about people that you can learn and learning those things about someone that you already love is the most exciting thing I can think of. So on my map it's mostly about conversation and interaction and the other things that people think of as being important to romantic relationships like I have prairies of cuddling, um, thicket, the thicket of innuendos, um, but all of those are, are surrounding the slough of insincerity. The slough, slough of insincerity. That kind of thing is—it's easy to get mired down. It's easy to get lost. It's easy to wander, um, and it's right next to the volcano of lies, um, which has created a lava lake of doubt. I doubt myself. I doubt others. I doubt my own perceptions and right next to the lava lake of doubt are the fire fields of insecurity and low self-esteem. And closest to my heart is the barn of dependability and the outfields of kindness. Of course there's a barn. I grew up on a farm. There's going to be a barn. The barn is where everything of utility goes. The barn is where the rafters are high. Um, You can hide. You can keep things you need to keep safe. but it's not so close to your house that you have to look at it all the time. Um, There's the Lawn of Acceptance, the Beach of Intentionality. There's quicksand of abandonment. Um. But yeah, making this map was really interesting. And I think everyone has their own unique map. And not everyone, like this, this map to my heart isn't necessarily only meant for romantic love. There's so many kinds of love. Um deep friendships uh intimate friendships can go there um and that's why the the prairies of cuddling are kind of a circuitous route if someone makes their way through the mountains of witty messages and the bluffs of repeated interactions and the foothills of laughter, the plains of prolonged interactions. They can take a side path to the prairies of cuddling, the thickets of innuendo, and the marsh of seduction. I don't know why seduction is a marsh. I think this map says a lot more about my subconscious than I intended it to. But it's fascinating to think about. And I, think, I like looking at a map because a map has clear boundaries. Everything on this map has a beginning and an end, pretty much. It's delineated. And that is an extremely hard thing to do in real life with real human beings. Um, Setting boundaries and respecting boundaries is something that a lot of people just take for granted. Like, it makes sense that you say no when you don't want to do something, or you say back off when someone's making you uncomfortable, or you take responsibility for your own feelings. But for a lot of people who have suffered uh, derelict childhoods, that's a hard thing to do, and I, I know I have trouble with that. I sometimes put up too many walls, I sometimes have no filter, um, I kind of go back and forth and really have to work hard and consciously at having appropriate boundaries. But it's work worth doing, because if you can't have appropriate boundaries, Eventually, no matter how well-intentioned you are or how patient people in your life are, you are going to end up driving everyone away. Or you will become so embarrassed and disappointed in yourself that you will just leave everyone behind. Um, so having this, this house, my house has a little circle around it, which I guess is a fence, a lawn, and I guess that's my, that's my boundary. I'm not sure if it's a picket fence or a barbed wire fence. I'm a big fan of electric barbed wire fences, which also says something about me. But I think that it's important to know your map and be able to share it with other people or know if they're moving through it. I wouldn't literally give the map to someone and tell them to make their way through it the way Madame Scadere did. But I think having the map for your own purposes is could be, could be helpful. Why not try it? If you're struggling with something like this, why not? And if nothing else, it's really therapeutic to draw things and write weird names for uh, landforms that have emotional resonance. That was kind of really fun. So the reason I made this map was because I've been, I've been having hypos like whoa, hypos, brim around the mouth, all of that stuff and I was trying to figure out what to do about it and the urge to go out to sea and just leave this entire complicated landscape behind is so tempting sometimes and the imagery of the sea is such a draw- I've never been on the sea, I've never been out on a boat, I've never been on the ocean I don't think I've even been near an ocean but between Moby Dick and Goodbye Chunky Rice, the thought of the sea as an escape. is There's just something about it. I read Goodbye Chunky Rice for the first time when uh, it was 2004 and I had just moved to Chicago. And the summer previous before moving had been a really intense summer. I was uh, dating someone in a not a committed relationship, but we, we spent a lot of time together and we had a lot of fun together and it was a beautiful relationship for what it was. I was I was drunk the entire summer, um, on love and booze. Uh we would spend the night together on my twin bed in my tiny wretched uh super studio apartment. There was a kitchen and, and a living bedroom and a bathroom Um, and I was right next to a maid right it was just it was squalor um and I had no air conditioning I had one fan and it was just so hot that summer and we just spent so much time I was teaching at the time so I had summers off so I had eight weeks to just have this bacchanalian festival of romance and drinking and experiences and I just lived it to the fullest. I remember one night we were walking home to my place from the bar and I had just had so much to drink I said, I have to throw up. Will you still like me if I throw up in these bushes? He said, I'll still like you. And so he waited and held my hair while I threw up in the bushes and he did still like me. He just didn't like me enough. And what does that mean? He didn't like me enough to really care when I moved to Chicago. He didn't like me enough to have any kind of desire to keep up with me or follow me. Um, but in retrospect, I think, is, is that what I really wanted? Or had our relationship of a summer been enough? Was that all it needed to be? I, I don't know now, but either way, it's over. And that really, that really bothered me, and I don't know why, but I just felt like it was, I would never be enough for someone to choose. But sometimes I think I just have to be enough. Like, the person who needs to get through this map that I've drawn needs to be me, first of all. I have to have these conversations with myself and be okay with myself before I can even ever think of watching someone else try to navigate their way through this map. But reading Goodbye Chunky Rice was really helpful because the lines about you're a flower, you're a plant that's outgrown its pot. Like I had reached the end of what I could do in the town I was living in, and I had to go somewhere bigger with more challenges and more opportunities, and I had to leave behind a lot of really good friends. And actually I left behind a lot of really bad situations that weren't uh, benefiting me. But it was still hard. It's hard to leave what you know, and it's hard to leave behind uh, what's comfortable and what's familiar. So reading about Chunky having to leave behind Dandle and realizing that they, they weren't leaving because they didn't love each other. They loved each other so much that Dandel could say, go off and find out where you need to be. Where you need to be is not here, even though when you're with me, it's the closest to home you've ever felt. And understanding that you can love someone and yet let them go and wish them well is a hard lesson for a lot of people, um, and I know it's it's been hard for me. Oh Thank you for listening to this episode of the spin down with julie jurgens you can see my map at thespindown.tumblr.com uh, check out the spin down facebook page uh, facebook.com slash thespindown or go to the website spindown.weebly.com thank you for listening i'll talk to you next time